Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Mr. J. Mr. J holds a master's degree in education. He is ministry credentialed, a certified special education teacher, author of a children's book, a military veteran, an inspirational public speaker, an activist, wedding officiant, and adoptive parent. Mr. J has worked in schools, psychiatric hospitals, group homes, churches, crisis hotlines, as an intrapersonal relationship coach and betrayal trauma practitioner. Mr. J's motto is, the relationship with yourself sets the tone for all other relationships around you and says relationships can break you, but even broken crayons still color. Together, let's draw out the masterpiece within you. You're about to meet one of our much-loved practitioners within the PBT Institute. Today, I'm having a conversation with practitioner Jay, who will be talking about what's going on in the mind of the betrayed after a betrayal, in the mind of the betrayer, what needs to change, what's possible, and so much more. Here we go. Okay, everybody, you are in for such a treat. Just wait until you see for yourself and you hear for yourself. We have Mr. J with us today. He is one of our most beloved certified PBT practitioners. He sees our members, our betrayed members, our, our betrayers, and he just, what he shares with them and how he works with them, you'll hear for yourself. So I brought him on just so he could share all his wonderfulness with you. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's good to be here. It's good to share some knowledge and information. <clears throat> I always say, what a waste it would have been if all of the lessons I learned from my own trauma and betrayal, if I would have took to my grave. Uh, you know, I agree. I always say it's like trauma well served, right? When you, It's like an obligation. How do you go through something, learn something so powerful and not share it? I think that's so selfish. Yeah. So you almost have an obligation for us, even for people that, you know, don't want to share their story or don't want to, they want to put it as far behind as possible. You do have a PhD degree from the school of hard knocks. So why not share that to either help somebody go through the stages and phases of betrayal themselves, or to help prevent somebody from going through the stages of, because there are some key foundations that do set up the stage for not always, but for betrayal, and if you can go in and tell people, listen, these are some of the ways that you could actually prevent, possibly potentially prevent something, then why not? Because I don't have to tell you, it, it implodes in your life, mind and soul, once a betrayal happens. Absolutely. And that's a really good place to start. So you said, yes, I know someone listening, watching is like, what? You can actually prevent it? Dive into that a little bit. So what I found in my experience working with clients and couples is that usually what happens is there is start a starting of a disconnect. Oftentimes that disconnect starts with ourselves, but what we see usually from working with couples is there's a disconnect with the couple. Couples no longer feel emotionally safe being emotionally vulnerable. And so if we can... Uh, show newlyweds or people, listen, if you stay consistent with being open and honest and transparent and emotionally vulnerable, then that foundation won't ever get a chance to harvest of somebody starting to go outside to live secretly or whatever. Now you can't prevent, in my opinion, deception a hundred percent, because I always say infidelity starts in childhood. 
there's a lot of issues that individually we have to work on. And oftentimes, as we all know, because infidelity is either to numb something, cope with something, avoid something, fantasize, whatever, we might be dealing with a childhood thing where no matter how much you're emotionally vulnerable to your spouse, you still have childhood, but at least you can prevent it more so than not. I, I, yeah, that, that needed clarification. It's true because you could just, I always see this and I'm wondering if you feel the same way where the betrayer, the betrayed is so willing to take the responsibility when it's not even theirs to take. Like the betrayer clearly did something that broke the spoken or unspoken rules of that relationship. And then whether they had past trauma or whatever led up to it, they're often not always, using that as I've been through this or I had this going on. So then the betrayed is, okay, that's why. And I see this real big discrepancy between whose responsibility is it? You know how I work. I think it is completely the betrayer. They made that decision to cheat, lie, deceive, and it is never the betrayed's responsibility. Now, you always want to take a look and say, hey, what's going on my end? But that doesn't mean it was your fault or your responsibility. Let's unpack that a little bit more. Yeah, listen, I say all the time that the reason that actually you say this all the time, betrayal is so personal. If somebody has a addiction to alcohol, an addiction to drugs, an addiction to whatever it is, going out and smelling flowers, whatever your addiction is, case or sarah, um, but when it happens to be another living human being, we take it so personal and that's where all the comparisons come in and things like that. Now, if you're with somebody who happens to be a gaslighter or things like that, or somebody who's emotionally juvenile, and oftentimes there are emotional juvenile people that wind up in these situations, they're going to turn it around on you. Um, and say it was your fault. It was because you gained weight or you stopped doing this or, you know, what have you. But I always say this, we are 100% responsible for what we bring to the relationship table. But once somebody chooses that door to step out of the relationship, then they no longer have any responsibility for anything that's on the table because they, they don't have responsibility for anything outside of the table. Listen, if I have a low, if I have a gun in my house right now, if I just have a gun in my house right now, nobody's in danger. If I have a loaded, if I have a gun in my house right now and it's loaded and, and nobody touches it, nobody's in danger. And even if my spouse or whomever loads that gun with ammunition, as long as nobody touches it after that, nobody's in danger. Once I decide to pick that gun up, aim it, pull the trigger and fire, that's when the damage is done. So even if your spouse brings to the table, they're yelling at their kids and they gain a thousand weight or a thousand pounds and they're yelling. Yes, they jam packed that gun and they're responsible for that. But you still chose to pick it up, pull the trigger, aim and fire. So now that was what caused the damage. I love that. You know how I love analogies. That is such a good one. Okay. <laughs> you, you know, I just, a good analogy just p paints the entire picture. Give us some stories about, because you see our through our reclaim program for the betrayed, our rebuild program for the betrayer, you see a lot of our members. Tell us what, give us an example of, let's say, how someone may be coming in like a stage two or stage three. And then what's the process? Like, what do you notice as they're healing and what comes up for them? And how do you move them through one stage to the next? Yeah. One of the things that you really have to do a deep dive in is because healing from betrayal is not a one size fits all. You have to get to understand what is the association that the betrayed person 
put on themselves with the infidelity because this happens all the time. You ask one person, they'll feel like after Discovery Day, I, I never felt safe with my partner. Or after Discovery Day, I never felt pretty or attractive with my partner. Or after Discovery Day, I never felt worthy. So depending on what they associated their betrayal with, you really got to go in and do the psychological and spiritual surgery to, to do all that. Now, what's interesting is I tell clients all the time, but especially if I'm working with couples, both of you have a lot of work to do. There's no such thing as one sits back and has a coffee and cigarette and the other person's working hard. No, I tell people all the time, as a matter of fact, I can't even heal your marriage. I can't do, I'm a no one. What I can do is take the boat you're in and steer you into calm waters. You have to row. I mean, you got to row until your arms are about to fall off and that's where you begin the work. I'm confident I can steer you into calm waters. You have to be the one doing the work. And the reason I say this is because when I do see people reconciling, rebuilding and becoming happier, if they choose to rebuild, I don't want to take the glory. It was your hard work into it. And I want people to understand it's because of my hard work. We're in this place that we are. But one of the first things that I try to do is immediately go in and unattach the story they've attached to their betrayal. Because listen, example. We're driving down the road, right? We're driving down the road and somebody cuts us off. Somebody cuts us off right in front of us. All the facts are, Debbie, all the facts are we got caught. Somebody cut us off. That's all the facts we got. What what happens? Ego kicks in or insecurity kicks in. We accelerate a little more because now we want to see the bumper stickers they have. Oh, they're a Biden supporter. They must be pro-abortion. They must be for, oh, they want to murder me. Oh, they're a Trump supporter. They're a white nationalist. Oh, I'm worthy. Now let me accelerate and get on the side of them to give them a dirty look. That's all ego. That's all the story that we put in with it. The only fact we know is somebody got in front of us. We don't know if they just got a call and said, your mother's in the emergency room, quickly make it to the hospital. We don't know. So when somebody steps out of a relationship, we got to do a serious deep dive into the why get to know so we can move into a place of understanding, eventually, hopefully a place of compassion. And then from there, hopefully a place of empathy. But until then, we love to attach it a story with it. Oh, he just wanted to unzip his zipper. She just wanted to be out this and that. No, whoa, these are your egos. Let's do, let's get rid of that. Those are the stories we need to get. Like I said, both people have the work to do. Oh my God, communication. Communication is a fountain foundation and people so many times can't, they already can't communicate, which oftentimes led to that additional seed of a foundation of an affair. But now they can't communicate because everything goes back to the affair. Oh, you didn't buy bread? That's because you your mind was on her and you couldn't buy, everything goes back to the affair. So really it's challenging both people also to the basic communication skills. Listen to understand, don't listen to respond. Don't interrupt each other. Acknowledge what was just said. Validate what was just said. Ask if you can respond when they're done. And you're not asking if you can respond because you're a little child and you need permission, but you're inviting them to the conversation table. There's just a lot of intricate work that people don't understand that's far before even hitting into the infidelity or betrayal. And I'm so glad you're saying it because it's real. This is brutal work. It really is. And some people aren't willing to do it, period. And I see, I see a lot that the person who's been betrayed wants to do the work for the betrayer. And you can't, this is an opportunity for that person, whoever they are, to have that, you said, whatever it takes. And I think there's nothing less required than the whatever it takes attitude to rebuild everything that was shattered and just learn to speak differently, act differently, behave differently, all of it. 
What are some roadblocks as someone's moving? That's the intention. Let's say they want to rebuild, but something's in the way. Yes, the story. Are there any other roadblocks? I'm going to tell you, but I first want to just say quickly, address something you just said, which was key. You said the all or nothing attitude, bar none, because I tell people all the time, actions are important, but attitude trumps action. Because listen, let's just say you and I are in a relationship. I step out. I have my phone. You say, hey, Jake, can I see your phone? Here, you got two minutes. Okay, did I give you my phone? Sure, that's a good action. I gave you my phone. But my God, my attitude sucked. So attitude is key. Yes, my love. Here's my here's the key. Here's my passwords. Any questions, please? What did I do yesterday to make you feel safe? Did you have any triggers that we need to process with you? I need to be proactive. What can I do tomorrow to make you feel safe? Now, talking about roadblocks, a couple of things. First of all, the person that was betrayed has to constantly, A, challenge their mindset. B, they need to really slow down their thinking because Lord have mercy. If you didn't have anxiety before this, you have anxiety now. So that means what you need to do is journal, do your meditations, prayer if you have a prayer life. If you have questions, initially ask all the questions you want. But eventually, once you start finding yourself asking the same question two and three times, then you want to start writing it down and seeing if you can wait an hour before you ask. If you can do that, then wait three hours. Then if that, wait a day. Then after that, ask yourself, do I really need to ask this question again? Because as sometimes we like to use our betrayal as a life sentence and a punishment, you made me feel like crap. Now I'm going to make you feel like crap for the rest of your life. And even if you're in a good space, you jeopardize your own healing because you want to stay stuck because you know it hurts them. So that's another challenge. Now, that's as far as the example of, oh, think about that drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's yes. like, and you'll remember there, there was, we had a member and I remember I actually took out a calculator because just to your point where he was going through thinking about her affair and we figured it was about a hundred times a day for 30 plus years. And I asked him, have you come out of it any better than the last hundred thousand times you did it? We did the math. There was something like 18 million times he had done that. So think about it. It's we're doing this to, and it's actually keeping us stuck. And then what you said, we're actually, it serves us on some level because we're punishing. It's like we're continuing to punish the person who betrayed us by us reminding ourselves of it constantly. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead. Keep going. No, 1000%. Did you ever see those, the battle uniforms hundreds of years ago, those big metal uniforms that people have with the masks and the swords and whatever, which nine times out of 10, those were for show, not necessarily battle. But long story short, when we are, when D-Day, which is holy crap, the day that your life just explodes and implodes, we have to arm ourselves with battle gear. We have to put on our armor. We have to. Our mind is hijacked. We question everything. We don't know what the future holds. We don't even know if we're going to be in the future. We're in a fetal position in the bed. So what happens is we put that armor on and that armor is necessary but once you go two and three and four and five years and you just constantly say, I'm just exhausted and it's weighing on me and I'm heavy. Take the armor off. You're not in battle anymore. Actually, you are with your own self. So get out of it. The armor served us for a purpose. Now what it's doing is hindering our growth. So many times we learn these tips and techniques and this armor to heal. 
And then we become this different person because of it. And we want to keep that armor on. We don't need it anymore. I know I'm just I'm repeating myself, but people really need to take that armor off. And I tell people all the time, listen, you might not, even years after, you might not be able to trust yourself. You might not be able to trust your spouse or significant other. You got to trust the healing process. And if you can't trust the healing process, do you have your non-negotiables now? And they'll say, yes, if they ever do this again, I'm out of here. Okay, then trust again, not because you trust them necessarily, because you trust yourself enough to know what you're going to do if it happens again. Live your life and enjoy it and trust. I love that. And I know I always try to get into the minds of our listeners and who's watching and listening. And they're saying, what does he know? You know, I mean, really, what does he know? This was, this absolutely blew up my life and I have a family and I'm struggling and I'm exhausted. And it's easy for him to say, walk us through, because this is, see everybody, I want you to know, this is someone who's in stage five, right? I'm in stage five. This is what happens when you move through. You see life differently. You experience life differently. You have new rules. You have new boundaries. You have new ways of looking at everything. So speak to that person who's in that stage two, or maybe that stage three. He doesn't get it. He doesn't know. Yeah. You know something, bottom line, it's what you just said. You can't hold somebody accountable for trigonometry if they've only learned algebra. And unfortunately, going through the healing process, not just going through betrayal, going through the healing process of betrayal, you get a PhD from the School of Hard Knocks. And once you get that degree, you look at life completely different. You just can't see life right now. You don't have those things. But I'll tell you something. I have, for anybody that's, you know, what you just said, I have worked with couples where the wife has stepped out not once, but twice. The second time she got pregnant by the affair partner. Today, they're 10 years out. They named the baby, her husband's name now, happier, closer, bonding. They did a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. That's some real forgiveness right there. (laughs) Yeah, I know another couple who the affair partner came into the house in the middle of the night and lit them on fire, lit the, both in fire because she was upset because the husband said, I want to go reconcile with my wife. She was like, no, broke in the house in the middle of the night, lit them on fire. I'm talking to both of them with burns on their face, but boy, smiles are radiant because they are connected and bonded and they're going to do this together. Listen, we all have a story. We all think our story is unique and it is, don't get me wrong, especially if we have a, a past of betrayal, a past of trauma, That really just puts us through a loop because I'll tell you something from personal experience, and I usually don't share any of my personal experience because of my childhood trauma. I put an extra expectation on those around me. They almost became my heroes. They were going to prove to me that life is not bad. And then when they prove that they're human, and I'm not saying that we should just say, hey, betrayal is human. But when D-Day happened, it was like, no, nobody could put an extra additional job on people because I didn't do the work myself. So there's just so much into this. But I'll tell you something. Once you do the work to heal, you not only heal your relationship, but even if you don't reconcile and don't rebuild, Lord have mercy. You're, the intrapersonal skills you have now, I'm talking to people that have enforced their boundaries like never before. And because of that, they have closer relationships with their coworkers, closer relationships with their kids, closer relationships with their parents. So there's just so much to this. It's just not a matter of getting over the infidelity. It's becoming 
not to get all biblical, 2 Corinthians 5.17, a new creature, a new creation, a new improved human being who's happy, healthy, and healed. Sorry, I'm getting all passionate and loud. No, I, that's and that's why we love you. I think I mentioned this to you when we recently had the PBT retreat for Transform members, those are members who work with me personally, as well as everything, everyone in the community. Four out of the 11 that were there, one had COVID, she couldn't come. Four out of the 11 started new businesses. Now this is being in PBT less than six months. And this is what Jay is talking about. You And you may think, what does a new business have to do with it? When you heal to the level that Jay is talking about and things differently and you experience life differently, there's two things that go on also. You look and you're like, if I can heal from that, I can do anything. And then it's what else is open to me now that I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually so different than before. And that it doesn't have to take a long time, everyone. We're talking about less than six months, four out of 11. We're like, that's it. I'm doing this now. And it had with some of them, nothing to do with what they're currently doing. Yeah, go ahead. So here's the thing, because I don't want anybody to watch this and say, oh, if I'm not doing something grandiose, that means I'm not in stage five or whatever. And I know that's not what you're saying, but let me just say this. Once you get to a point where you do the work and you are healing and you are in stage five, absolutely, without question, there's books in you that you can write. There's businesses in you that you can open up. But even if nothing like that, a material thing happened, um, you open yourself up much more freely spiritually. Or even I, I see parents all the time who go to stage five and I'll say, you're giving your child a brand new parent. Oh, yeah, you're giving your child a parent that they need, they deserve. You are now changing the course of history and the future to ensure your children are not talking to a professional because of the trauma you gave them because you did the hard work. You're breaking generational curses. Oh, and so whether it's anything about merchandise or big, huge businesses, it could also be, you know what? I when I'm six feet under. I want to be talked about in a completely different way than I would have been if I did not do this healing. I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's really true. And really, at a minimum, you are squeezing so much more juice out of life. And isn't that worth it right there? I can even speak from my own experience where I see that my kids grew so much because of this as well. They saw mom crash, but they saw mom rise. And it's not that, and listen, I would never say what a parent should do. Every parent I believe knows best. In my situation, my kids, I didn't want to burden them, but they were a part of this and they, they saw the deep pain, but they saw that whatever the route was going to be, I was getting myself out of this mess. And it's not that they're not going to experience their own hardships, but they see resilience. And I think that's an important life skill too. So you're right. As far as like so many lessons that we're teaching because of our decision to move through it. And I do believe it is a decision because you have every right to stay stuck if you want to. But what does that do? So tell us a story. You told us some amazing ones already. But the person who, because it's so common where someone is just so resistant, they're like, they have their story, they're sticking with it. How do you get through to someone like that if you do? Yeah. First of all, I'd have, I'd want to know, are they rebuilding or not? Because unfortunately, it's just the way it is. If there is a couple that's trying to rebuild and one wants 
to rush it. If the person who betrayed wants to rush it, oh my God, it's been four months. When are you going to get over this? Some ridiculous statement like that. That's just going to harden somebody's heart. I'll tell you so many times when I'm talking to somebody, and I will answer your question. I apologize. So many times when I'm talking to somebody, it's not a matter that they don't want to heal. It's a matter of they have to stay in self-protective mode because people can't heal in an unsafe environment. And if you're living with somebody who's not taking your healing seriously or just doesn't get it, that's an unsafe environment. And I tell about if I'm dealing with a male, female couple, and I'll tell the males all the time, she's not to get all personal and intimate. She's not doing this and she's not doing that. I said, but you know what? Sex without safety is rape. So of course you got to inject safety in every whatever. So that's if they're rebuilding. You got to do what I was saying before. You can't just be honest. You got to be transparent. So it's not just a matter of here's my phone here, blah, blah, blah. You got to, here's my phone. Oh my, here's my password. What can I log you into? Anything you don't know if you need phone records. And listen, here's the deal. Even if you are comfortable doing something, or even if you don't want to do something, like you said, Debbie, you still have to have the attitude to do it. So when somebody says, listen, I am willing to do whatever it takes. And if the person says, okay, polygraph, location on this, whatever, whether that happens or not, we don't know. But the mere fact that you said, yes, yeah, do I got to climb up the Empire State Building and jump off? Let me know. That tells the other person, dang, they get it. They're going to make me safe. Even if they never go through with the polygraph, even if they never, it's attitude, the attitude like this. Now, as far as the person that they're not rebuilding, or let's just say they can't, let's just say their husband passed on or whatever, then really what you have to do is you have to do a lot of various modalities. First of all, I do what's called chair therapy. So, you know, you're envisioning that the person's in the chair and you're talking to them. You write letters to them. Um, I also say, listen, other people give us pain. We give ourselves suffering. You already are dealing with the pain. Don't give yourself any suffering. If you walk down the street, not in my street, but if you walk down any street and a poisonous snake bites you, you don't pick it up and take the fangs and keep going like this. No, don't give yourself suffering. And the last thing I do want to say is this. Listen, we all have a certain amount of energy in our life. We all have a certain amount of energy. And what a lot of people do, Debbie, a lot of people get so fixated on the affair partner. What is she doing? What does she look like? What are her boobs look like? Does she have wear red makeup? Where does she work? What did, you know, we get so fixated. And what happens is that we're giving so much of our energy. So that's why oftentimes you can get 10 hours of sleep after betrayal, wake up and feel exhausted because mm -hmm. you have no energy to give anybody because your mind is attached. So you got to covet your energy because that's energy that can heal you. There's a lot of challenges. Sorry, I'm going to stop right there because I can go on. Yeah, you know, it is true. And you know, I say that where it's like you only have a certain amount of energy. Do you really want to donate 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 plus percent? on something that's only depleting you and does nothing for you. That experience doesn't deserve it. That person doesn't deserve it. Take it, harness it back, use it on you to heal because it's true. Physically, your adrenals have tanked, your immune system is shot. You're just so exhausted. And then you have all those stress-related symptoms, illnesses, conditions, even disease. Could you imagine because of the energy you're donating to that person or that experience that doesn't deserve it, now you give yourself disease on top of it? Look at the power we're giving away. No, we need to harness that back. So Jay, I could talk to you all day. First of all, everybody, can you see why Jay is one of our much loved practitioners in PBT? He is just awesome. We're just so blessed to have you in there. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? You know what? I'm just going to conclude with the point we were just talking about. I want everybody to just take a quick conscious vision of their bank account. Okay. 
whatever you have. If you have $10 in your bank account or $10 million in your bank account. And I want you to think of, you can think of me, Think, pretend you're obsessed with me. <laughs> I every am. time you think of me, I love it. Every time you think of me, you take $10 out of your bank account and you put it into mine. How long before you have nothing for yourself? That's a great point. So absolutely cherish, covet your thoughts. Now, some people always say, well, many techniques. Go out and punch your steering wheel, scream. You can sing. I know when the amygdala gets tapped and your frontal cortex gets hijacked, you got to engage it. So do anything from some grounding techniques. Look around you. What colors in the room do you see? Throw out some math facts because we have to engage our frontal cortex, our logical side. When we're 10 times 10 is 100. 10 minus 5 is 5. Throw out some math facts. You can do that rubber band situation you always talk about on your wrist. These are things. And listen, don't assign a positivity to the infidelity, but assign a positivity to the lessons you're taking from it. You have to completely rewire and retrain the story that is in your head. And eventually you will be in control of your emotions rather than your emotions being in control of you. And as hard as it, I love everything you just shared. And as hard as it is, there is a version of youth on the other side of that, that will blow your mind. And that's the reason why you're doing it. You're not doing it just so you can get over it. You're doing it so you can transform and potentially transform into a new relationship as well. But at the very least, at the very least, there's a stronger, wiser, more empowered version of you, more evolved version of you. And I think that's worth it right there. Jay, I want to thank you so much for all you do within PBT and all you've done for everybody watching and listening today. I know they gained so much from your wisdom and just your basic awesomeness. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you, Jeff. Isn't Jay awesome? You can work with him personally at thepptinstitute.com. Here's my biggest takeaway. When it comes to rebuilding, both the betrayed and the betrayer have lots of work to do. The betrayed needs to get rid of the story and challenge their mindset to start believing it's not about them, they're not enough, and all the other things we tell ourselves that keep us stuck. For the betrayer, it's more about their attitude over their actions. Like Jay's example of handing over the phone, one way is with the eye roll and possibly shaming or blaming the betrayed for their lack of trust. I mean, hello, who created that? And the other way is gladly handing over the phone to ease the heart and mind of the betrayed. So much to heal from, move through, and that's exactly what our coaches, practitioners are standing by to help you with. In only 90 days, get moving through the stages, through the support of our research-based, proven and predictable programs, our different coaches who specialize in everything having to do with what's been impacted by betrayal, daily live classes, master classes with experts you can get appointments with, live Q&A with me, the right type of support which makes all the difference and so much more. It's all in our three-month reclaim program. And if you're the betrayer, we got you too with our rebuild program. Totally different from reclaim and exclusive to the betrayer who is ready to become someone they're proud of. It's all at the PBT the PBT is in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com. So head over there and start healing. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.